Hey guys, thanks for uh, thanks for joining us. You're welcome. <laughs> welcome back, <laughs> uh, Kevin Pierce and Noah here. If you've already read the chapter, you can skip forward to 15 minutes. Beep boop boop boop. And we will begin discussion at that time, uh, or you can listen to us read. It's another week of reading The Pursuit of God by A.W. Tozer. We love this book. We love the way that he speaks so directly to the things of the heart. Mm -hmm. It's written by an old man from a different time, and so you may have to kind of push in past some of his language. Some of the words that he uses are words that I don't usually use. Hey, but, but you know, we're all smart people. Uh, is that I'm trusting, and so that we'll figure it out. And um, if you push into what he's saying, though, it's all gold, I think. No doubt. Even though it was written so long ago, we constantly are like, wow, that's speaking directly to us and our generation. No doubt. No doubt. So, yeah. All right, sweet. Well, I'll get us going. Uh, we're going to start off. We're in chapter 9 of The Pursuit of God. It's called Meekness and Rest. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. So Matthew 5, 5 says, a fairly accurate description of the human race might be furnished one uh, unacquainted uh, with it by taking the Beatitudes, turning them wrong side out and saying, here is your human race. For the exact opposite of the virtues in the Beatitudes are the very qualities which distinguish human life and conduct. In the world of men, we find nothing approaching the virtues of which Jesus spoke. In the opening words of the famous Sermon on the Mount, Instead of poverty of spirit, we find the rankest kind of pride. Instead of mourners, we find pleasure seekers. Instead of meekness, arrogance. Instead of hunger, after righteousness, we hear men saying, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. Instead of mercy, we find cruelty. Instead of purity of heart, corrupt imaginings. Instead of peacemakers, we find men quarrelsome and resentful. Instead of... Rejoicing in mistreatment, we find them fighting back with every weapon at their command. Of this kind of moral stuff, civilized society is composed. The atmosphere is charged with it. We breathe it in with every breath and drink it with our mother's milk. Culture and education refine these things slightly, but leave them basically untouched. A whole world of literature has been created to justify this kind of life as the only normal one. And this is the more to be wondered at, seeing that these are the evils which make life bitter, a bitter, make life the bitter struggle it is for all of us. All our heartaches and a great many of our physical ills spring directly out of our sins, pride, arrogance, resentfulness, evil imaginings, malice, greed. These are the sources of human pain, uh, these are the sources of more human pain, sorry, than all the di uh, diseases that ever afflicted mortal flesh. Into a world like this, the sound of Jesus' words comes wonderful and strange, a visitation from above. It is well that he spoke, for no one else could have done it as well, and it is good that we listen. His words are the essence of truth. He is not offering an opinion. Jesus never uttered opinions. He never guessed, he knew, and he knows. His words are not as Solomon's were, the sum of sound wisdom or the results of keen observation. He spoke out of the fullness of his Godhead. 
and his words are very truth itself. He is the only one who could say, blessed, with complete authority. For he is the blessed one, come from the, yeah, come from the world above to confer blessedness upon mankind. And his words were supported by deeds mightier than any performed on this earth by any other man. It is wisdom for us to listen. As was often so with Jesus, he used this word meek in a brief, crisp sentence. And not till some time later did he go on to explain it. In the same book of Matthew, he tells us more about it and and applies it to our lives. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Here we have two things standing in contrast to each other, a burden and a rest. The burden is not a local one, peculiar to those first hearers, but one which is borne by the whole human race. It consists not of political oppression or poverty or hard work. It is far deeper than that. It is felt by the rich as well as the poor, for it is something from which wealth and idleness can never deliver us. The burden borne by mankind is a heavy and a crushing thing. The word Jesus used means a load carried or a toil borne to the point of exhaustion. Rest is simply release from that burden. It is not something we do. It is what comes to us when we cease to do. His own meekness, that is the rest. Let us examine our burden. It is altogether an interior one. It attacks the heart and the mind and reaches the body only from within. First, there is a the burden of pride. The labor of self-love is a heavy one indeed. Think for yourself whether... Much of your sorrow has not arisen from someone speaking slightingly to you. As long, as long as you set yourself up as a little god to which you must be loyal, there will be those who will delight to offer affront to your idol. How then can you hope to have inward peace? The heart's fierce effort to protect itself from every slight, to shield its touchy honor, from the bad opinion of friend and enemy, will never let the mind have rest. Continue this fight through the years, and the burden will become intolerable. Yet the sons of earth are carrying this burden continually, challenging every word spoken against them, cringing under every criticism, smarting under each fancied slight, tossing sleepless if another is preferred before them. Hmm. Such a burden as this is not necessary to bear. Jesus calls us to his rest and his meekness and his method. The meek man cares not at all who is greater than he, for he has long ago decided that the esteem of the world is not worth the effort. He develops toward himself a kindly sense of humor and learns to say, Oh, so you've been overlooked? They have placed someone else before you? They have whispered that you are pretty small small stuff after all? And now you feel hurt because the world is saying about you the very things you've been saying about yourself? Only yesterday you were telling God that you were nothing, a mere worm of the dust. Where is your consistency? Come on, humble yourself and cease to care what men think. The meek man is not a human mouse afflicted with a sense of his own inferiority. Rather, he may be in his moral life as bold as a lion and as strong as Samson, but he has stopped being fooled about himself. He has accepted God's estimate of his own life. He knows he is as weak 
and helpless as God has declared him to be, but paradoxically. He knows at the same time that he is in the sight of God of more importance than angels. In himself, nothing. In God, everything. That is his motto. He knows well that the world will never see him as God sees him, and he has stopped caring. He rests perfectly content to allow God to place his own values. He will be patient to wait for the day when everything will get its own price tag and real worth will come into its own. Then the righteous shall shine forth in the kingdom of their father. He is willingly he is willing to wait for that day. In the meantime, he will have attained a place of soul rest. As he walks on in meekness, he will be happy to let God def- defend him. The only struggle of def- the old struggle to defend himself is over. He has found the place which meekness brings. Sorry, he has found the peace which meekness brings. Then also also he will get deliverance from the burden of pretense. By this I mean not hypocrisy, but the common human desire to put the best foot forward and hide from the world our very real inward poverty. For sin has played many evil tricks upon us, and one has been the infusing uh, into us a false sense of shame. There is hardly a man or woman who dares to be just what he or she is without doctoring up uh, the impression. The fear of being found out gnaws like rodents inside their hearts. The man of culture has haunted by the fear that he will someday come upon a man more cultured than himself. The learned man fears he to meet a man more learned than he. The rich man sweats under the fear that his clothes or his car or his house will sometime be made to look cheap by comparison with those of another rich man. So-called society runs by a motivation not higher than this. The poorer classes on their level are little better. Let no one smile this off. These burdens are real, and little by little they kill the victims of these evil and unnatural Uh, in a natural way of life. And the psychology created by years of this kind of thing makes true meekness seem as unreal as a dream, as aloof as a star. To all the victims of the gnawing disease, to all the victims of the gnawing disease, Jesus says, become as little children, for little children do not compare. They receive direct enjoyment from what they have without relating it to something else or someone else. Only as they get older and sin begins to stir within their hearts do jealousy and envy appear. Then they are unable to enjoy what they have if someone else has something larger or better. At the early age, uh, at that early age, does the not uh, galling Galling, burden come down upon their tender souls? and it never leaves them until Jesus sets them free. Another source of burden is artificiality. I am sure that most people live in secret fear that someday they will be careless, and by chance an enemy or friend will be allowed to peep into their poor, empty souls. So they are never relaxed. Bright people are tense and alert in fear that they may be trapped into saying something common or stupid. Traveled people are afraid that they may meet someone, some Marco Polo who is able to describe some remote place where they have never been. This unnatural condition is part of our sad heritage of sin. 
but in our day it is aggravated by our whole way of life. Advertising is largely based upon this habit of pretense. Courses are often are offered in this or that field of human learning, frankly appealing to the victim's desire to shine at a party. Books are sold, clothes and cosmetics are peddled, and playing continually upon this desire to appear what we are not. Artificiality is one curse that will drop away the moment we kneel at Jesus' feet and surrender ourselves to his meekness. When we will not care what people think of us so long as God is pleased, then what we are will be everything. What we appear will take its place far down the scale of interest for us. Apart from sin, we have nothing of what... uh, Apart from sin, we have nothing of which to be ashamed. Only an evil desire to shine uh, makes us what. Only an evil desire to shine makes us want to appear other than what we are. Hmm. The heart of the world is breaking under this load of pride and pretense. There is no release from our burden apart from the meekness of Christ. Good, keen reasoning may help slightly, but so strong is this vice that if we push it down one place, it will come up somewhere else. To men and women everywhere, Jesus says, come unto me and I will give you rest. The rest he offers is the rest of meekness, the blessed relief which comes when we accept ourselves for what we are and cease to pretend. It will take some courage at first, But the needed grace will come as we learn that we are sharing this new and easy yoke with the strong Son of God himself. He calls it my yoke. And he walks at one end while we walk at the other. Lord, make me childish. Make me childlike. (laughs) Deliver me from the urge to compete with another for place or prestige or position. I would be simple and artless as a little child. Deliver me from the pose, from pose and pretense. Forgive me for thinking of myself. Help me to forget myself and find my true peace in beholding thee, that thou mayest answer this prayer, I humble myself before thee. Lay upon me thy easy yoke and of self-forgetfulness, and, though, and through it I may find rest. Amen. 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 Thank you, God. Yeah, what are y'all's first, what's your first response and reaction to this? Certainly a challenging chapter that requires a lot of self-examination, of just uh, examining my life, my motives, why I do what it is I do. Yes. Um, Do I do, do I do, what do, do I do what I do to be seen? I think sometimes even I, even backwards, sometimes I do what I do to appear like I'm not doing what I do to be seen. <laughs> sometimes I I want to appear humble. Yeah. And so even I'll, I will yeah. even get it so twisted that like. Yeah. yeah. We're clever. We're clever pretenders, aren't we? Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's really just a lot of like, uh, just doing a lot of self-reflection right now. Yeah, cool. Yeah. What about you now? Yeah, I think that the the places that it's easy for me to like feel 
or like be meek or be like humble about things is like the places where it's like quote unquote stuff that's about God. So like I'll be in here telling a testimony and it's like, yeah, glory to God, this this happened. Or like I'm in a staff meeting or in a D group or in like a some other like Christian scenario where it's like, check out this thing that God did. This is awesome. Thank you, Lord, for allowing me to participate in your blessing. But whenever it comes to things that are, and it's funny, the next chapter is sacrament of living and it's about not dividing your life up between like religious stuff and normal life stuff. But Mm -hmm. like I do that a lot whenever I think it comes to like my pride and comparison. So whenever it comes to like, whenever he said like some world traveler may, um, some traveler may be afraid that one day they'll meet some Marco Polo that's been someplace the the traveler's never been. And that like, they like are always trying to put out that they have done more or have done better or whatever. And yeah. I think that's something I used to struggle with. Like I can remember in high school and in college, like always being like, well, I wear different clothes than people. So I must be better than them or I'm different than them in this way. Or I fly fish and nobody else fly fishes or, I rock climb or like the things that I do, I would like take pride in my hobbies because I was different and distinguished. Not that I was like necessarily like exceptionally good at any of them, Mm -hmm. but because I was distinguished from people, then I was something special. And it was like, it it is tiresome and it takes all these things that are joyful and it robs the joy from them because you're always just trying to like put out that like, well, I'm actually better because Mm -hmm. of like these things that I do, which is wrong in itself. You're not better because of anything that you're, you actually can do. You are good because God, you are the way that you are because God made you the man you are. So you're taking pride in something that's not even fulfilling anyways. But the comparison is also a very vile and evil thing wrapped up in that. It's just like yeah. a manipulation of manipulation. Yeah. And and it, it's definitely something I used to struggle with, but it's still something that's really creeping on me. Like I'll get competitive about a game of horseshoes with my family that it's like, why am I, why do I care about a game of horseshoes? And why is this yeah. getting in my heart like this and it's because I still deal with this in like a, a really I would say deep way but it's actually pretty shallow pretty mm. shallow way mm-hmm. so yeah yeah I think what strikes me is kind of this game of pretense uh, it can work its way into every place of life and so even Kevin really highlighted how it, it, it's not only in the worldly things it can also be in the things of God that like uh, are yeah, what we would label as the things of God, like the things where we know we're supposed to be humble, or you know, we can we can kind of play this game with everything, where we're where we're trying to manipulate the way that we look instead of just being what we are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think that this is a uh, challenging word. I mean, I know that we say this about every single chapter, but I really mean it. This, uh, if we will hear this, if we will apply it, it's a challenging word. So I'm trying to hear what that means for my life. Um, what does it mean for me to not pretend and to just be myself and to walk in God's meekness and his rest and to take his yoke upon me and to let him let Him walk beside me in that yoke and have my soul be at rest instead of always hustling, trying to be something. Yeah. Yeah, so we're going to take a break. Um, we're going to come back and hit this, hit this, kind of break it down more systematically, hit the chapter. 
Um, we will be right back, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, but I'm excited to do it. I'm excited to d- dig into artificiality and into pretense and what all those things mean. So we'll be back after this short musical break. Maybe we could have trumpets this time, you know? Who's playing the trumpet? I used the guitar because it's copyright free. Uh. <laughs> All right. Well, you want me to give you a trumpet solo with, yeah. my, with my mouth? Yeah. Ready? Welcome back, the people. We uh, we just had an interesting intermission. Yeah, we and we decided we know everything. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, hold us to that. Uh, <laughs> no. Yeah, we just had an interesting intermission. We were just talking about talking about this this chapter and and kind of what is pretense, what is artificiality. He throws out those two words as they as there are burdens. Uh, they're burdens that weigh us down and that keep us from really living lives of rest. Uh, and they keep us that it's, if we would, if we could attain the meekness of God, then we would live much more restful lives. Like our mm-hmm. souls would be at rest, yeah. but instead uh, we're caught up in the hustle and bustle of trying to be somebody and trying to look like we're something. And it can be in worldly pursuits. So he mentions like, you know, a traveled man might, might want to. He wants to look like he's the most traveled and been the most places. A uh, uh, smart man wants to look like the most learned. Uh, but he mentions those worldly pursuits. But it can also even be like in religious pursuits where yeah. you're trying to be somebody. You know, like you're trying to look like you're something. And so we we're we're good as humans as learning the game. Mm. So once we kind of learn the little game to play and we know the right Christian words to say, we can certainly dig right into this. We can, we can be full of pretense. And I believe that's what a lot of people see in the church that pushes them away from the church. Mm-hmm. That they're like, no, no, this is just, this is the same old game as what's played everywhere else. Yeah. Yeah. It just has a holy name on yeah, it. Yeah, just on a different field. And that even that even feels like more of an atrocity. Because yep. like, at least in the world, you know that people are playing games. Yeah. But when you get into the church and people are playing the games of pretense and, and artificiality and trying to like boost themselves and glorify themselves... At least in the world, it's it's named, but in the church, it's all under the guise of God, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, so it seems even worse to people, I believe. And we can play those games. We get here, we know that we're supposed to look humble, so we we would never say this, but we might feel it in our hearts. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I think you were even I think you were even alluding to a little bit of that uh, earlier, Kevin, before the the interlude. Yeah. Yeah. Of just like, um, yeah. Of still being prideful in my heart but knowing how to like appear humble on the outside like yes like what you're saying about like well i would say this and i wouldn't say this or yes things like that but um but yeah i think a lot of times uh i'm just reminded of like there was this one time in the internship uh like we all know michael pope is amazing yes he's an amazing guy and he was like he had this one one week that he was just amazing, amazing, <laughs> uh, where he was like just really, uh, really doing a lot of really cool stuff uh, on campus and being used by God in really like great ways. And he was recognized like by CARP and was allowed to uh, uh, like speak at baptism 
one Monday night and I mm. was like, and I had jealousy inside of me. Yes. And so like recognized that like I was super like um, getting super prideful mm. and like why am I not being recognized in the same way? Yeah. Uh, just because I'm uh, anyway, but one of the I felt like the Lord told me to like go and affirm Pope from my heart, and, mm. like to speak affirmation over over him. Mm. Uh, and whenever I did, like I couldn't do it without crying because it was really ripping stuff out of me. Yeah. yeah. Um. But yeah, and then and then I felt like. It was all gone. He was my brother again. But, wow. Uh, but anyway, I was just reminded of, of that, of me being like super prideful in that and like, and it being about ministry stuff, about like yes. this kind of stuff. So. Yes. Yeah. And you're thinking, why can't I be seen as like the amazing one? Yeah. 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 It's so cool though, Kevin. Like you're obedient to what the Lord led you to, you know, and you found a way of freedom in it, you know? Yeah. That's so sick. dude. I've never heard that testimony before. Yeah, I got a few like that. I'm pretty ugly. So. <laughs> Jeez. Um, there was this other time. <laughs> we, were oh, <laughs> we were at UCA. I think this was internship year again. Okay. Uh, anyway, this like freshman kid was trying to set up the projector screen. I set up the screen. <laughs> I've always set up the screen. And he starts like, no, we, we, we do it this way. And I was like, oh, get away from me, little boy. That's what I felt like. Uh, and I was, oh. and again, like all night. Couldn't even worship. Whatever yeah. we were like worshiping, it yeah. was just brewing. You're like, who does this punk yeah. think he this is? Little screen he, boy, think he is. This is his third week putting the screen up. He's telling me how to do it. Yeah. Anyway, same thing. Lord was like, you need to see, like, see him for who he is, and see yeah. him for how I see him. Yeah. And speak that over him. Amen. And so anyway, that happens a lot. Amen. I, the Lord rebukes me. So. Yeah, Dang. Kevin. Thanks for, uh, thanks for not pretending. Thanks for being honest about who you are. I yeah, mean man. it like yeah, no, that, uh, no doubt. because I think that that illuminates like what so many of us keep in the darkness, you know, like yeah. kind of that that wicked stuff that happens in our heart and hopefully the listeners are able to hear hear you say that and they're hope they're hopefully like becoming aware of like oh man, I've I've been doing this and I didn't know yeah. it, you know. Uh, or I've been doing this but I was just too scared to really talk about it and hopefully your boldness is uh is encouraging them in that. But it's interesting that both times God had you go to the person mm-hmm. and speak affirmation over them. Yeah. Because, mm. like, that's that's not natural to someone that you're jealous of. You you actually want to, like, speak out what you're, why you're valuable, and then you want to speak out why they're not to kind of bring them yeah. down or wrong yeah. or whatever. But, but God had you do the opposite, mm-hmm. which is really cool, you know. Yeah, it's interesting. He Because he, here's the thing. He says, he says, <laughs> the things that God calls us to are the opposite of what the human race naturally is. Yeah. The beatitudes, mm-hmm. the the blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. Yeah. <laughs> That's the opposite. The natural is who does this punk think he is? Yeah. I want to make this little freshman feel like a little freshman and Survival I'm going to tell him like fittest. I've been doing this yeah. for years, yada 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 yada. Yep. But you didn't do that, Kevin. And so like, yeah, sure, you had wickedness in your heart, but I want to honor your action and it was God, I'm gonna respond to your word. I'm gonna respond to your spirit, and I'm gonna go and be meek. Mm. You know, and yeah. and God blessed that. And like mm. you, you, you were free in your heart because of that. Like how many times? Like I'm, I'm just thinking about my own life. Like how many times have I gone on from periods like that? And then I've wrestled with those things for years because mm. I didn't choose to. So like, so like, 
it could have been that every time you look at a projector from there on out, <laughs> you think of this little punk. You know? <laughs> no, but some you know? people, yeah, yeah. some people really are that way. They're like, I can't do this because my dad did this with me or around that. That sounds really hypothetical, but like some people really do interact with very like concrete, tangible things that way because they have such foul memories around them. Yeah. yeah. So it could have been that every time you set up a projector, you're you're bitter again, mm-hmm. but because you chose to deal with it that night, like God yeah. has freed you. And you yeah. you do a projector a lot, so thank I God they freed you. You know, like <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. You're still the projector guy. Yeah, if you guys are listening and you're on the setup team, thank you. I haven't done the projector in a few minutes. <laughs> I appreciate you guys. Yeah, heck yeah. Yeah, heck yeah. Appreciate y'all. <laughs> um, yeah, that's a that's really good examples, though, because, again, the, the, the world acts the opposite of the Beatitudes. Yeah. Uh, but you chose, you chose the Beatitude of meekness there, and because of that, uh, you found rest, right? Yeah, so he he highlights a couple things here. Um, there's there's I, I think we may have mentioned this, but like when he's kind of when he's kind of smart mouthing himself. Did we mention that before? The I think no, it was in the break. It was, the it was in the yeah. break. So the part that cracks me up is when I'm gonna find it real quick. He's like, "Oh, they think little of you." Uh, let me see if I can find this because it's hilarious. I think it was towards the beginning. It's A.W. Tozer kind of like kind of smart mouthing himself. Uh, oh, so he says. He, uh, the meek man cares not at all who is greater than he, for he has long ago decided that the esteem of the world is not worth the effort. He develops toward himself a kindly sense of humor and learns to say, oh, so you have been overlooked? They have placed, uh, they have placed someone else before you? They have whispered that you are pretty small stuff after all? And now you feel hurt because the world is saying about you the very things you have been saying about yourself. Only yesterday you were telling God that you were nothing, a mere worm of the dust. Where is your consistency? Come on, humble yourself and care to cease what men and cease to care what uh, men think. Yeah, that little that little way of speaking to himself is funny to me, but it's also interesting because like like I I'll find myself in that place sometimes too. Like like are you serious, bro? Like. You're you're really gonna you're really gonna yep. choose to be bitter, and you're really gonna choose to walk in unforgiveness. Like you're really cho- gonna choose to be offended by this. Like I've heard somebody say that a good litmus test for whether you have a, a, a servant heart or not. Uh, so that's something that gets thrown around in in Christian speak. Is man, you really got a servant's heart. Mm. You know, you may have heard somebody say that. But a good litmus test is how do you respond when someone treats you like, like a, a servant? servant. <laughs> yeah. Because if you have a servant's heart, you're like, oh, you're like you're able to be gracious and yeah. you're able to in meekness go in peace and not let it bother you. Yeah. Yeah. But but if you if you really have a pride in you that you didn't know about, then you end up being like, I can't believe they just said that or treated me like that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Wow, I'm supposed to go clean the toilets? What are you what? <laughs> what are you what? Don't even say please. <laughs> yeah, so his little way of speaking to himself is is funny like that. You develop a sense of humor about it. You don't take yourself too seriously. Yeah, um, he, he makes a couple of, uh, I, w- I want to read a couple of highlighted things, and then I want to talk about, he makes a couple of statements about two burdens that are both based in pride. One is pretense, and one is artificiality. Uh, I don't know if we're going to come to something clear on that or not, but we're going to talk about it. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to read this la- this next little bit. Um, the next little paragraph, it's kind of long, but I want to read it again. He says, The meek man is not a human mouse afflicted with a sense of his own inferiority. 
Rather, he may be in his moral life as bold as a lion and as strong as Samson, but he has stopped being fooled about himself. Yeah. He has accepted God's estimate of his own life. He knows he is as weak and helpless as God has declared him to be. But paradoxically, he knows that at the same time that he is in the sight of God of more importance than angels. In himself, nothing. In God, everything. That is his motto. He knows well that the world will never see him as God sees him, and he has stopped caring. He rests perfectly content to allow God to place his own values. He will be patient to wait for the day when everything will get its own price tag and real worth will come into its own. Then the righteous shall shine forth in the kingdom of their father. He is willing to wait for that day. Mm. In the meantime, he will have attained a place of soul rest. As he walks in the meekness, walks on in meekness, he will be happy to let God defend him. The old struggle to defend himself is over. He has found the peace which meekness brings. Mm. Yeah, so that little that little snippet is pretty powerful. Pretty powerful to me. He uh he's really highlighting like how the inward life is so much more important to the meek man. That he's not concerned with how he looks. Mm-hmm. He's not concerned with what others think of him. Mm-hmm. And he's even there's even a patience to it because he knows that like at the end of all things, like God will be the one to judge and to decide. And so if somebody thinks that he's doing the wrong thing or he's do, he's done the wrong whatever then God will be the one to decide, right? Yeah. And and it's not a, a prideful thing of like, well, I know I'm right, so God's going to show you one day. It's like a, like I welcome God's judgment in my life. Even if I'm wrong, I still welcome it, yeah. you know? Because I'm grateful that he's just allowed me to be in his kingdom. And I'm I'm grateful that like the truth of, of what I am and what I'm not is going to be brought forward. Yeah. yeah. That's both terrifying and comforting. <laughs> mm-hmm. no doubt. You know? So there's been times where, like, there's been times where I've done something uh, and haven't received any recognition for it, mm-hmm. um, and the fleshly part of me is like, oh man, like, wish somebody would have seen that. Uh-huh. But then the spirit side of me is like, oh sweet, yeah, thank mm. you, Lord, yeah. that like, that that there's no treasure, there's there's there hasn't come any treasure on earth from this, uh, but that your treasure's in heaven, and that's a place where it's it's more real, and it's a place of faith where it's like. It's like, you know, if, if that doesn't get recognized till the day I stand before Jesus, then so be it. You know, mm-hmm. that's fine. Like, I did it for him, really, anyway. It wasn't for other people to see. Or hopefully that's the yeah. case, right? Yeah. Yeah. When yeah. I was in high school, no, not high school, junior high, I thought I was going to be nice to this guy that was just hyping me. Wesley Scoggins, if you're listening. What's up? Scoggs. And, uh... I, I don't know if I knew that he was in a tight spot or what, but I just felt like I needed to throw a 20 on his windshield wiper after We're church in a tight one day. spot. <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, so you threw a 20 on his windshield? I threw a 20 on his windshield wiper because cause I uh, Cause you're rich. felt you like I like needed that, to. Boy. I did not have a bunch of money. <laughs> so basically, like, I was like so stoked that he would be like surprised to find a find a twenty, mm-hmm. um, and I knew that it would be helpful for him. But I remember I was definitely like an immature little little junior high kid. But I was like 
just excited and I don't think I understood like the mechanism of like stealing glory or like trying to glorify myself at that point. And so like I remember whenever Good he, thing you understand it now, dude. Yeah, I'm an expert. <laughs> I'm an expert on it now. I'm actually uh part of a podcast, if you didn't know. We discuss these things. <laughs> but I remember like two weeks later I had been thinking about it and I was like I think it's about time I let him know that was me that put it there. You know? And it's about time I got right, my credit. Right, exactly. <laughs> and so I remember coming to him and being like I'm like, uh Hey, how are you doing? Uh how are you doing like financially? He's and he's like goes and tells me, he's like, Man, it's actually been incredible. There's been like multiple times where like I've just needed money to even drive to get to school or whatever or get to work and like like one time there was like a 20 on my windshield wiper. There's another time where like there was just an envelope with some money in it in my mailbox and I hadn't been telling people that I needed money or stuff like that. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, here it comes. That's it. Oh yeah. Well, I put that 20 on there. <laughs> <laughs> and all of a sudden, like I remember as it came out of my mouth, I was like, Oh, you felt it. I was like, Oh man, I just like put the burden of my, willingness to like sacrifice and like willing to sacrifice my like little eighth grade twenty dollars yeah that was a lot to me i now had i like now put that like anonymous burden i put a face on it i put a name on it and i like made him mm. bear the sacrifice that i had borne and to me, it was a, a little bit of money. You know, I could have bought something else with that or, like, whatever. But now it's decks, like, dude. yeah, yeah, right. But now it's like, now you get that, Wesley. Now you get. Now you have to hold that. Bow to me, Wesley. Right. <laughs> so there's, like, a the actual mechanism of that happening. It was like I wanted him to know that was from me because I wanted him to see me as a good friend. And I was ignorant at the time, but we still do that. Like For sure. there's little ways that we still do that. And, Most definitely know. And, yeah. um, but thinking back to that, it just allows me to see like whenever we try to take glory for ourselves and whenever we try to like present ourselves as I'm not a super giving person. Like I gave $20 to this dude. There's probably so much more opportunity I've had to give, you know? And like, how dare me try to come off as like, Mr. Moneybags that donates millions of dollars to charity. Like, no, nah, dude, that was a 20. Come on. That was just an Andrew Jackson. Like, step it up. Where's your Benji's at? But it's like, I have no business trying to come off as someone that just gives a lot. So what am I even doing? Like, yeah. the Lord will humble you. And, and sure. thank God, I think he did put that on me to say like, hey, that's not the way you do that. Yeah, for sure. Gently. Yeah, it's interesting. Like, if, if you're perceptive and if you're paying attention to the Lord, then you can feel it, you know? Uh, you can feel when you've ruin something glorious <laughs> yes yeah good thing that's the only time i've ruined a good thing yeah amen dude. amen <laughs> never messed up glad again. you got it sorted out now man <laughs> um yeah kevin you have anything to share on this this little bit that we read uh <laughs> restate like, the question <laughs> basically basically like yeah. he's he's talking about how like he is okay yeah. being known by god and even okay like he's patient like waiting for the day when everything will receive its real price tag. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh whenever yeah, I there's something that rises up in me whenever someone I feel that someone else <laughs> has a <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Pierce Pierce drunk too deeply of his coffee 
and gag a little bit. You're supposed to drink it. You're not supposed to breathe it. <laughs> I tried to breathe coffee. Coffee is live. Uh, yeah, man. Uh, whenever someone has a a measuring stick and they're looking at looking at me, and I can feel that I'm not measuring up to like their measure of yeah. success. Yeah. Um, there's something inside of me that rises up that's like, oh, I'll show you. <laughs> oh, I'll show you my success. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, whether that's like the size of my house or things like that or and it like oh well I'm, i'll go out and buy the biggest house just right. to show you how successful i am yeah dude uh stuff like that i forget i'll freaking drop a 20 on your uh, windshield <laughs> exactly. i'm rich um <laughs> yeah but but really uh <laughs> but what is the true measuring stick like what is the true validation yeah. of a life is it is it I've traveled so far? These are all the things that Tozer like mm-hmm. talked about. Is it yes. I've read so many books and I can quote so many like great people. Yes. I've traveled so far and I know the most remote places. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it, and this one, I was even thinking about this this morning, is it I've made the most disciples? Mm-hmm. Like yes. where where is my validation coming from? Yes. Or is it I like I have a secret uh, a secret relationship with God that yes. you know nothing mm. about. Amen. Um, Amen. Like I, I have a nearness to my Creator. Um, where is my validation coming from? I believe that the truest one is the last one that I said was yeah. like, yes. My validation comes from from Jesus alone, uh, and from God alone. Not not from. Uh, yeah, I've made this many disciples. That makes me successful over and above this. Johnny, yeah. whoever, yeah, um, Johnny How. <laughs> he's made a lot of disciples. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if, that, if that's the scale, I do not measure up. Uh, some reason I said Johnny, and then we talk about Johnny How so much that that's just yeah. started yeah. coming to You're my like, mind. <gasps> that's a giant, nope, not Johnny. Oh, <laughs> um, but but that's what I'm talking about. Is like, uh, what is the the measure? And if I if I believe that the measure is disciples. Then, um, which obviously I believe disciples are like a good thing, good yeah. thing, and Great. they need to happen. But if I believe that that is my the success, like the measure of who I am and the measure of my success and my validation, hmm. now whenever whenever I tell people to eat the flesh of Jesus and they turn away, um, now yeah. I carry that. Yeah, yeah. And now I feel like That's I really am good. not valuable. Yeah. Because someone else, because of what someone else does, and that even makes me manipulative. Yes. yes. Whenever I'm trying to make them follow Christ, I'm like, my value is whether or not you believe yeah. this. Yeah. That's so true. So I manipulate. And man, them. people yes. can feel that. Yeah. They can. Like people can feel that. Like people will feel like they're a project. They're a project, or like they're they they can feel, and they can also feel when it's sincere, though. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Uh, so that's that's really good, Kevin. You're over here dropping some truth. Uh, <laughs> I think it and it does the same thing, you know, like it it cheapens things the same way that Noah telling his homeboy, "Hey, I put that 20 yeah. on your on your windshield." It cheapened that. And it, maybe it doesn't work exactly the same way, but it accomplishes the same purpose. It's like like once you've made once you've once you're trying to like validate yourself by making disciples, you just cheapen the whole process. No doubt. Yeah. And this this beautiful and deep thing that Jesus has made available to us that's like one of the best parts of our lives which is like to be able to make disciples yeah. and like really like we're like we're we're raising up our best friends you know that are yeah. like that are going to follow Jesus with us 
which is like a awesome and, yeah. and beautiful thing when it's pure we've cheapened it and made it into something to glorify and validate ourselves you know yeah. because we're too because our, our egos are so like fragile you know that we've got to do something to to boost them up you know mm-hmm. so and and really kevin you're i appreciate you for for speaking that out bro because that's something that like certainly if you've ever set out to like to make disciples of jesus uh if you're in any kind of community like we're in, where that's like a high value, then then people can play the game just like they do everywhere else. Like, oh, that's the high value here? Mm-hmm. Well, then in order to boost my stuff in this community, I'm going to go and make some disciples. Mm-hmm. I'm putting air quotes around it, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's like, cause it's like, well, who are you making disciples of then, you know? Yeah. Uh, so I think you're, you're calling something out that needs to be called out within us, you know? So I appreciate that, Kevin. I love you, dude. I love you too. I love you too, Noah. I love you too. I was the one, Noah, that put the 20. <laughs> <laughs> Who's got two thumbs and put a 20 on your windshield? That's where it <laughs> this came guy. from. <laughs> I knew God would pay me back. That was his promise, is that if I gave, he'd give. Amen. Yeah, so um, he moves on from there, and he says um, he says that uh, people will find, will, will, they will find the peace and the rest uh, that that meekness brings whenever they choose it, but he says also they will they will find deliverance from the burden of pretense. He later says that they will also find deliverance from the burden uh, of artificiality. Those are two burdens that he highlights. What is pretense and what is artificiality? What y'all think? Noah, any thoughts? Uh, I. Can- Man, so if you read it, and we read it in the kind of intermission, um, trying to find much difference between the two in Tozer's definition seems like they seem like both of them are. They're really similar. Yeah, they're very similar. It's wrapped up in comparison, and I want to make myself look like either. Uh, yeah, I want to make myself look better than I think I actually am. Mm-hmm. And pretense, maybe the mechanism of the pretense is uh, I think this person, I already think that this person thinks this of me or or whatever. And so I'm going to only show this side of me mm-hmm. so that so that so that they get the the best view view of me possible. So I come off as better than I feel I actually am. And then artificiality is just maybe being fake. Maybe just, just yeah. It it may be that pretense is kind of like, is kind of the urge that we feel, and the and the the it, that that pretense is kind of the the description of the emotion, and that artificiality is how it plays out long term yeah, in our life. That yeah, like, yeah, yeah. That pretense is what I do in a moment with you, where I'm trying to I'm trying to make myself look cool in front of you, mm-hmm. but then like. Moments, of, a moment of pretense after moment of pretense, I'll li- end up living just this completely artificial life where the yeah. real me isn't known by anyone. Right. Yeah, and it's all just a big like stage like, for I'm you to, fake. Yeah. to prove yep. yourself. I'm plastic now. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think that that may be the that it, again that may not be perfect, but that may be the way that I'm differentiating it right. in my mind. You know. Right, and I don't even know that it's all that important that we that we have the bad things defined. I would rather look at the the true currency than look at all the counterfeit, you know, yeah. like to, cause what I'm trying to say is, is Jesus, like God wants us to be real and, and he wants, um, 
he he certainly doesn't want us to like sell ourselves as as anything more than like broken, worthless pieces of like like earthen vessels yeah. that that really aren't special. They're only special when they're being used in his hands to become like like to be the things used for special purposes. I don't know where that is in scripture, but like that's that feels like that relates to this really well that we're mm-hmm. just like we're just some earthen vessels that that really only have use in the master's house as he uses us. Like some things some things that are made for for special purposes and others are used for washing in the bathroom as yeah, yeah. So all I'm saying is is that we can't try to come off as something that we aren't or try to sell ourselves as something good. Like the our only our I want my only value and the only time I feel like oh I've done something important or I've done something well or I want someone to see that something good has happened as a result of my life. I just want to give it glory. I want to give God glory. Amen. And and I want that thing to give God glory in the way that I Amen. talk about it. I want it to be this happened, this happened, this happened. Thank God. Look what God did. Not yeah. not look what I did. Not look what I was able to accomplish or anything. So and yeah. th- and that's probably true regardless of the story that I tell. Like across the board. Even if it is yeah. something that I wasn't even planning on giving God glory for, I can still look back and be like, Man, God actually was taking really good care of me. So Yeah. That's good, man. Yeah, a couple of years ago, I don't know if you remember this, Kevin, but I came into staff meeting broken. You remember that? I, well, it's, there's been several times that's happened. <laughs> but I came into our staff meeting, you know, and I was like, "Man, I've been, I've been, I've been living in pretense." Hmm. Do you remember that? Uh, I don't know if it was because I was reading through this or what what it was that hit me, but I just realized like, I've I've been putting my I've been only showing my best parts because I've been too scared to be honest and be myself and, mm. and kind of be my, my real ugly self you know yeah um I think on in the last podcast I spent a lot of time talking about when I first came to Jesus yeah. this is something that he deeply delivered me from yeah. and, he, and he made me only care about like what he thought and I wasn't worried about mm-hmm. what people thought and it gave me like a rest and a peace and also a great confidence and I remember people like being like I mean where do you get confidence from all this stuff and I just remember thinking like what are you talking about you know like but realizing that it was it was just what God was doing in me but I drifted away from that and a couple of years ago yeah. I was like torn up dude I was honestly in like one of the worst places of my life you know uh because like I wasn't I wasn't confessing sin. I wasn't mm-hmm. being honest. And when I would sense something ugly in my heart, I would just try to bury it down instead of exposing it. You yeah. know? And I found myself in this terrible place and was convicted that I was living in pretense, right? Came and confessed a bunch of stuff to you guys mm-hmm. uh, and tried to try to bear myself out like that. Yeah. So then, Noah, do you remember in a staff meeting a couple of days ago when I was sitting beside you and we were like, we don't have any coffee. And I was like, Oh man, I was like, I was gonna try to drink some coffee and and cover up my breath and mask my bad breath because I didn't brush my teeth this morning. <laughs> Do you remember that? Yes. And you were like, Ooh. so that to me, for some reason, yeah. that was significant to me because coming in that morning, I came in a little bit late mm-hmm. uh, because I'd slept in a little bit, and that's something that like for me is a great point of like shame over mm-hmm. myself. Like yeah. I hate it mm-hmm. when I do that because it is a struggle for me, right? Uh, yeah. To be late in different places, and so then my my temptation was to come in and cover up that I had gotten ready quickly, 
mm. and to kind of even on the drive there I was looking at myself in my mirror and thinking like do I look like I just woke up because I did you know <laughs> right. and so like but then coming in I felt this thing in my heart that was like you had better not try and hide yourself mm. so that's one reason why I I, I tried to put myself out yeah, there right. on blast you know like yeah this is like I just said it like I volunteered the information right. you know but it was kind of me trying to say like here's me you know yeah. sorry and like the reality is I need so much grace from y'all yeah. uh, in that area but in lots of other areas but I'm not going to receive it unless I'm humble enough to to put myself out there right. yeah. pride welcomes uh opposition pride welcomes opposition humility welcomes grace yep according to the law of God and so God opposes the proud pride welcomes opposition yeah. but God gives grace to the humble Grace, uh, like humility, welcomes grace, right? Yeah. So I hope I'm saying that right. Yeah. But that's something that's highlight that is has defined my life. I I can't remember the staff meeting you're talking about, but this may be around the same time. I remember there was a message you spoke that's always stuck with me, and it sounds a lot like what we're talking about. Um, and it was like two or three years ago. Okay. But um, and you use the image of a facade and an iceberg mm. and that a facade is just a fake front of a building mm-hmm. to make the building look pretty. Yeah. And then an iceberg, you only see like a little portion of it yeah, 10%. and yeah, like 10% and the rest of it is under the water where you can't even see it, where it isn't yes. exposed. Yes. And the difference between like a facade just being for people to see what you, what you look like yeah. and like kind of this pretense or this, uh, yeah, I think it was during that season. Yeah, and or versus an iceberg where people don't even see the deepness mm-hmm. of of who you are. They're only seeing 10%. Yes. Um because you're not trying to put yourself out there. You're not trying to like uh to to like yeah, yeah promote yourself. Yeah. You're yeah. not promoting yourself so people aren't seeing 100% of of who you are because you're you are like secure in uh in your and how deep your relationship you know, that's is. Like a, like that's are. a really interesting way of seeing it. I don't think I've ever thought of it that way. But I remember coming into Chi Alpha and thinking, like, these people are so transparent, and these people are real. And mm-hmm. then Pierce would say, well, real recognizes real, and that's why people that live according to the gospel are attractive. Did I say that? Yeah, for sure. See, absolutely. <laughs> that's kind of hot. Yeah, you're like, real recognizes real, and... Like, when you're real with people about who you are, then, like, that's going to be attractive because what people want is something real. They they don't want to go around to another ministry, to another church that just, like, is hypocritical. Basically, mm-hmm. it was, like, a thing against hypocrisy. But what I think my initial response in the community was probably to, like, expose all of me because I was, like, all of me is dirty. All of me is gross. Yeah. And so I'm just going to, like... Let everyone see everything I do, even the good things that I do with the Lord. Like, it's going to get, it's, I'm going to bring it out into the open because I want people to see everything all the time, see everything transparent. Yes. And I think, I think early on, I probably, probably was a little bit, probably shallow. Yes. Because I just always, nothing was allowed to like be deep within me. Nothing was like yes. buried treasure within me. Nothing. Yeah. It was, it was all like whatever came into me came out. Kind of like the, yes. maybe we don't have to explain it, but the, the difference between being a river and being a reservoir. Yes. And like, like a reservoir allows everything in, but only good clean water to flow out of it. And then yes. 
yeah a river it's all just muddy and everything that comes in comes out and it's not as nice to, to, to take from so for me I think just coming out of this what I'm recognizing now is I really want to be careful in my discipleship relationship with people to not come off as though like you're I don't want everyone to see every single little thing I have with God. Yeah. And whenever I see that they're starting to just like pour out every single thing that happens, you can encourage the eagerness, encourage yes. the like, man, I'm so excited that you're falling in love with the Lord. But also try to encourage like, man, I want you to take that stuff and let it ferment. Like yeah. let it let it sit there. Let it let it uh be like buried and actually gain value yes as you don't expose it to everyone and kind of ruin its worth by like yes you you can cheap you can cheapen deep things yes uh or you can expose them before they have time to really take root and so the things that we're exposing are the seeds that we don't want to grow and the things that we're burying are the seeds that we want to grow yeah you know and so yeah, so like there, hopefully there would be an iceberg. There, there would be so much more ice under yeah. the water, meaning that there'd be so much more to my walk with God than what is seen. But that that's yeah. not not been the case my whole life. Like right. that's been the case certainly sometimes, but then certainly other times there's been a facade that I've put up, you know. And I think that I do think that it was during that season. Yeah. And you know what's hilarious is that message. I thought this is the lamest sermon I've ever preached, and that's, you remember it three yeah, years later. That's the that's, that's like wild. the one that stuck with me. I, I thought this is the lamest sermon I've ever preached, but here's what I felt: is in this moment, that's exactly why I need to preach it because it because it doesn't seem all that like um, yeah, it doesn't seem all that like deep or whatever. Yeah. And that's the last thing I need right now is for is to is to feel like I'm preaching a really mm. fire hot sermon. Like I need to preach something simple, and I need to be humbled. I need to take my lumps real quick. Yeah. <laughs> and but the Holy Spirit used it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So rad. Yeah. Wow. And and even with like the the iceberg thing we've been talking about, Jesus uh promotes a healthy secret life mm. of yes. um whenever you pray, pray in your prayer closet or like don't don't go out on the street and to be seen by others. <laughs> like that? Exactly. Don't go out and pray in <laughs> in a deafening microphone. Um, but, uh, and whenever you give, give in such a way that your left hand doesn't know what your right hand is doing. Yeah. Um, so like uh, your generosity. Did you write that? I'm pretty sure Jesus oh, did. Okay, that's, hot. that's fire, dude. That's I think hot. Jesus, I think I'm right. Fire. Um, he, he did. Sure. Okay, good, good. Um, but yeah, so it's like your generosity, your prayer life, your like there should be so much more than people see. Yes. Yeah. Um Amen. Thank you, God, thanks. for giving us access to something so deep and so good. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, so I don't want an artificial life. I want to be who I who I am, nothing more, nothing less. And um I want to have this deep life of rest and of meekness with the Lord that I'm not worried about yeah. if somebody else sees me as smart or dumb or shallow or deep or, you know, or kind of yeah, what, yeah. however they could see me. Like, yeah. I'm just not worried about how they would see me, you know, like that I know what I have with the Lord and in the Lord. And and I'm telling y'all, like, I've, man, I just feel like I've tasted this and then walked away from it at different times. And I know I've tasted it at times where, like, I've just been so at peace and at home and at rest in the Lord, mm-hmm. and there's nothing better than that. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, like you, that that those are times where I, I feel like I have been misunderstood and miscategorized by people, but it genuinely didn't bother me, you know. Yeah. And and I had what I needed in the Lord, and wisdom is proved right by her children. 
Yep. And so my life, whatever fruit would come from my life would, would prove whatever. But then also being a patient man who would say, well, Lord, you know, if I'm wrong, then you'll, you'll, you really will let me know mm-hmm. on the day of reckoning. But also like, uh, if I'm right, then like, then I, like whoever is supposed to receive whatever mm-hmm. will receive it on, yeah. the, on the day. Right. Yeah. And thank you for that, God. And I'm, I'm, I'm at peace in that. So I don't have to be anything to anybody. Meekness and rest. Sweet. Do we have anything else to add? We did. We didn't highlight the childlikeness of it, but I don't know if we have to necessarily. I think, you know how children are. They're they're not aware enough to be thinking like this. They're just yeah. being. Yeah. And they live such a free life because of it. Yeah. The other day, I, was, I had a really good friend who was preaching a really fire hot flame sermon. <laughs> it was awesome. And in the middle of it, this little like one and a half year old boy went up and he had to pee pee. So he just, we were outside. He literally walks right in front of this guy, drops trowel down to his knees and he's just trying to pee. And his dad comes like, okay, and picks him up, you know? But it was yeah. hilarious because I'm like, this, like, that's what childlikeness no is. Idea. He's like, yeah, I had to pee, bro. Yeah. You know, like, and like just not aware of like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I remember uh, being a little kid and my parents are having life group at the house. And I come out and I don't have any underwear and I'm and so they're in the middle of like Bible study in our house and I'm like, Mom, I don't have any underwear and I walk in the living room butt naked and they're like, What are you doing? But you're just a little boy. You're just a little boy. <laughs> you're just a little boy. <laughs> yeah. So there's something in that though, because uh, his prayer is that we'd be we'd be childlike in yeah. that way. That yeah. we wouldn't be aware of ourselves in the wrong way. You know, like yeah. I want to be aware of myself in as much as it serves other myself and as much as it serves others, like to where I wouldn't be rude and I would be caring for people. But I yeah. don't want to be aware of myself in a way that I'm thinking of like how can I look cool or yes. how can I do yeah. this? You how know? can I promote myself? Yes. Yeah. yeah, thank you, God, for all of this word. Thank you for Tozer and for his oh, pursuit God. of you and for him teaching us your pursuit of us and teaching us our pursuit how it can be of you i'm going to pray this prayer lord make me childlike deliver me from the urge to compete with another for place or prestige or position i would be simple and artless as a little child deliver me from pose and pretense forgive me for thinking of myself help me to forget myself and find my true peace in beholding thee, that thou mayest answer this prayer, I humble myself before thee. Lay upon me thy easy yoke of self-forgetfulness, that through it I may find rest. Amen. That concludes chapter 9 of The Pursuit of God by A.W. Tozer. This has been a Livervox recording. (laughs) Not really, it's not. Not really. Oh no! <laughs> yeah, so join us. Uh, join us next week for chapter ten, the sacrament of living. This is this is one of this one's hot. This one's kind of a hottie. <laughs> so you're gonna want to see this one, hear this one with your. You're gonna want to see this one with your ears next week. So we'll see you guys then. Thanks for joining us for the chapter nine of the pursuit of God. <laughs>